And of course, he's a universal blood donor. Of course he would be. And he can also rock a really good smoky eye. Baby, get back and cover your head. <laughs> yes. Which is, you know, also what she says during their lovemaking. You think we hide behind walls to protect us from the walking dead? Don't you get it? We are the walking dead. This podcast was recorded remotely and contains adult themes and language. Hello and welcome to TV DNA, The Walking Dead, Season 11, Episode 24, The Finale, Rest in Peace. My name's Adam Hemming and I wouldn't be the man I am today without these people. I'm joined by Chloe Wade. Hey, big ass kicker. <laughs> and Damien Cooper. I can't wait for summer. Can you? And Neil Shepek. We're the ones who live. So, listeners, before we get into this episode, on Saturday night, I'd had a few beers and I was thinking about what was to come, about this final episode and about what The Walking Dead meant to me. So I sat down and I, I wrote some stuff down, posted it on Facebook, and um, I'm going to read some of that to you now. Entitled What the Walking Dead Has Meant to Me, An Ode to an Epic Tale Told Twice. It's a story about survival, about finding your way in a world that's gone to hell, about friendship, about parenthood, about doing whatever it takes for the people you love. It's a tale of community and society, what brings people together and what tears them apart, sometimes literally. It's a narrative with humour and drama, tragedy and joy, with unexpected twists, moments of nail-biting, stomach-churning tension, triumph and catharsis. It's a lesson in living your life, in being the best you you can be, in showing mercy and compassion, in dealing with the worst the world can throw at you and staying true to yourself. It deals with loss and grief in a beautiful and life-affirming way. And yes, it's full of zombies and katana-wielding crossbow shooting, foul-mouthed, barbed-wire-covered, baseball-bat-toting, leather-jacket-wearing characters, and that's definitely one of the reasons I love it. It's gritty and stylish and cool. I read the comic books alone, and I watched the show initially with Catherine. Then it became a conversation topic between me and two brilliant mates, Damien and Neil. The sweepstake was set up for a bit of fun, and that meant that at the end of every season, we'd meet up for a drink. Valued times once the impact of parenthood meant social engagements were harder to justify. It became the basis in the darkness of lockdown for us to start TV DNA. And yes, whilst the comic books never fail to be anything but brilliant, there have been one or three dodgy seasons on the TV show, but I've still loved every minute of it. And yes, there will be spin-off shows and the Walking Dead universe will continue, but this is the end of a story that has been a constant joy for a long, long time. So I'm gutted it's coming to an end, but endlessly grateful to Robert Kirkman, Charlie Adlard, Tony Moore, Frank Darabont, Andrew Lincoln, Greg Nicotero, Angela Kang, Melissa McBride, Norman Reedus, Denai Guerrero, and everyone else involved, and to all those who've listened to me banging on about it for a very long time, particularly my wife Catherine, Damien Neal, and Chloe Wade. I'm going to ask Neil to finish this off by reading Rick's iconic speech, which is taken from issue 24 of the comic books. The second we put a bullet in the head of one of those undead monsters, the moment we drove a hammer into one of their faces or cut a head off, 
We became what we are. We are surrounded by the dead. We're among them. And when we finally give up, we become them. We're living on borrowed time here. Every minute of our life is a minute we steal from them. You see them out there. You know that when we die, we become them. You think we hide behind walls to protect us from the walking dead? Don't you get it? We are the walking dead. Preach. <laughs> wow. I think we all need some kind of joint counselling session. Shall I call my therapist? That was <laughs> a lot. That was lovely. Really lovely. Yeah. I mean, it's such what a show. And, and I, I personally thought this was an incredible way of finishing it. And um, a huge amount of catharsis, I think, at the end of this. But yeah, let's get some thoughts. What did you think, Damo? So I'm not going to be popular. I am the resident Debbie Downer, as baptised by Chloe Wade. But I think a lot of this was really good. My issue is, as beautifully shot at it as it was, and as fantastic as the acting was, how it took a day for Rosita to turn. That was my really big issue. And I feel like it missed the chance to have a bit more bite for want of a better turn, a phrase, at the end. But other than that, I did think it was good. But we know that it takes different times for different people. I mean, that's significant. She has got probably the best immune system ever. I briefly, at one point, I thought, is she the cure? Yeah, I definitely think there was some some poetic license, let's call it, taken with certain moments within the final episode. But we've forgiven so many of those in the past that I thought it was, in a way, it was kind of only fitting that there was a, a, a smattering of those throughout the final episode. How about you, Chloe? Well, I've just literally come from watching it. So I kind of, in a way, don't even feel emotionally ready to talk about it. <laughs> Honestly, it was everything that I wanted in the last episode, um, especially in terms of the sweepstake. <laughs> we'll, we'll leave the sweepstake till the end. Let's talk about the actual episode first. But it was almost in two or three different clear chunks, definitely a first half and a second half, but I thought there were different parts to that first half as well. But we're essentially dealing with the mission to keep Judith alive and then kind of side missions to free Mercer rescue Coco, deal with the with the horde. Where do we even start? Hey, Jude, don't make it bad. Take a sad song. Sorry. <laughs> Karaoke Walking Dead was a few weeks ago, Neil. <laughs> One thing I noticed was the show started, or this episode started with, Judith waking up in a hospital, right? It felt like there was a lot of mirroring going on for episode one or the pilot episode. You know, Rick wakes up in a hospital having been shot. We talked last week about the, the similarities with them running with Judith like they were running with Carl. But there was a lot of stuff here that was really echoing that pilot episode of her waking up in the hospital. Very fitting, I think, that the whole Walking Dead started in a hospital, ends with Judith. I mean, it started with Rick getting shot in a hospital and now it's Judith 
getting shot and in a hospital. And yeah, I, I noted the kind of parallels as well. At one point, I was just scribbling constantly the whole when Rick gave blood to Carl and the kind of giving of blood scene, the walkers, which I'm sure we'll get onto with the rocks. And there were so, so many that I think I'd actually like to when I'm prepared, re-watch the episode because I'm sure there's so many of those little Easter eggs that I missed. Um, I did miss the kind of no intro from Judith this time, though. I understand why it wasn't there because it's really continuing from where we left off previously. But I'm so used to them now. It was a bit odd. Hey, Jude, don't be afraid. You were made to... I'm sorry. <laughs> Speaking of Judith, can we just say how amazing Kaylee Fleming was this whole episode? Wow, I've always thought she was good, but this episode in particular, she's just amazing. Such a great actor. Yeah, what a find. What a find. Uh, there was a, another callback, just whilst we're on the subject of the the, the callbacks in the hospital, of Daryl shutting Judith in that hospital room while they were dealing with the walkers, which was very, very similar to how Shane shut yeah. Rick in that room in a flashback episode that we get, I think. What I really enjoyed in this scene was we get the flashpoints of the stormtroopers running in and then Daryl passed out on the floor. But what I really loved is then that next bit that Judith drags herself out of bed and is the little ass kicker. She manages to fight that zombie even though she's low on blood. Somehow she does enough to do that before she collapses, which I thought was awesome. Hey Jude, I see what this is going. Remember yeah. to let her into your heart, then you <laughs> can start to make it. I'm sorry. Never apologise, Neil. It does make me super, super happy to know that there's this female representation in general on The Walking Dead, but having like a young girl, Judith Grimes, be so kick-ass and be brave and be fighting like the way you would expect in inverted commas a boy to fight and just fighting alongside everyone it means so so much and I'm in my 30s now but seeing that I mean it just I I, I really love it and it's a shame actually a lot of girls around her age won't be watching it because it's not quite suitable <laughs> but um hopefully when they grow up and they see that uh, yeah I can't tell you how valuable that is to actually see that on screen it means a lot let's talk about the opening credits because Although visually, I don't think there was many changes here. It felt like it was more orchestral in the music. Am I right? And a bit of you know electric guitar going on in there as well. Um, so after the opening credits, we we then there's there's a whole lot of stuff going on. There were a lot of kills happening. Now I was not wanting to pause the finale every second to see who killed what. But I definitely saw three kills for Carol and one for Father Gabriel. I knew there were going to be many more in there. And I'd probably have to watch it back. But the big thing that happened, obviously, was that Jules was overwhelmed by walkers. And R.I.P., our first death of the episode was, correctly predicted by Chloe, was was Jules. And surely followed with Luke. Yeah, he gets bit but gets swept out of there, whereas Jules is consumed by walkers. And this was a really, like, this was where the... The blubbing starts for me, and I will warn you, I cried through a lot of this episode. It wasn't so much Luke that I was crying for in a way, but it was the other four who I thought were just giving these phenomenal performances. Their reaction to him, you know, they'd only just got him back and he'd been bitten and was dying. And yes, part of me was like they were just brought back as orca fodder. 
but at the same time I thought those performances were just so beautiful and that that was what got me so yeah both Jules and Luke correctly predicted by Chloe made me fear for Aaron <laughs> yes it was very emotional particularly as you say we haven't seen them in a year Luke in particular he went surrounded by his people didn't he I think that's why that was so emotional and the four women around him I was crying along with you Adam yeah and we also told that Pamela was taking all the medicine and all the doctors which also has put Judith in jeopardy I wasn't sure where things were going to go there it all happened pretty quickly, right? But she's managed to get all of the doctors, all of the nurses, and all of the medicine out of the hospital. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's efficiency, I think. I guess the stormtroopers weren't involved then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what I also loved around this point of the episode was the mention of Merle. Daryl mentions that Merle used to get him to sell his blood because his blood, I assume it's O-type, which I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm writing my science that can, you know, anyone can be given. Obviously, later on, we get even more of the previous characters who passed away and have been a big part of the story. I really liked that mention of Merle. Yeah, that was a great callback. And of course, he's a universal blood donor. Of course he would be. And he can also rock a really good smoky eye as well. Loving <laughs> that look for Daryl. I mean, the next thing that happens is in this sequence is that uh, we see Mercer in jail and then Princess explodes the door open with the force of her love and personality. <laughs> Baby, get back and cover your head. <laughs> yes. Which is, you know, also what she says during their lovemaking. <laughs> Again, I really just loved her jumping up on him as she entered the room. Thankfully, she had the good grace to wait until his sister had left the room before she did that. Can you imagine how awkward that would be? You know, the other rescue that needs to happen, obviously, is the rescue of Coco. And magically, they know exactly where they've been kept, these kids. We get Father Gabriel and Eugene killing a walker each. Rosita, one of Chloe's killers, kills four on her way into finding Coco trapped underneath a cot. Not just Coco, but a lot of the other children as well. There were a few other kids in there that had managed to survive the walker attack. Uh, meanwhile, it's not looking good for Judith, but she's conscious. And she's talking about her mum finding her dad. She's finally reveals, Chloe, finally reveals to other people that's where Michonne has gone. And she says, there's something I've got to tell you about when she told me it's something my, my dad said. And it, only at that point made me realise that actually we've been teased this thing that Rick said once numerous times before like in one of those opening Judith speeches she talks about this thing that my mum said my dad said it's only at this point that I realised we hadn't heard what that was and it's the first time that we hear Daryl called Judith Jude na 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 it's just like the uh, London 2012 opening ceremony again. We've missed a tiny scene after Mercer is rescued where they're all packing up the truck. And it looks like it's go time. We've got a nice bit of exposition about what everyone's doing in case you weren't on top of that. And then just as who is it that's going to fire on the horde? 
Negan's about to shoot uh, a load of walkers and uh, Ezekiel stops him, I think. Yeah, and then we see the big double A, Aaron himself, come round the corner. And for some reason, the horde doesn't behave in the way that we've been told they normally do. It carries on going as Aaron breaks character and runs towards him. But it's okay because it's enough time for them to load up and haul ass. Well, I guess the smart walkers, or at least the smart walkers amongst them, they breached the hospital. Yeah, there was a lot of, of that going on. Yeah, we had the hospital breach, didn't we? And they were they were running around with a hospital bed. To be honest, my notes are pretty patchy for this episode because there was just so much going on. Um, Too many tears, Adam. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I couldn't see to type. But yeah, Aaron and Lydia have have come out from the that horde. Maybe there are, as well as having smart walkers, there are, dare I say it, dumb walkers who are less aware of what's going on around them. They're just the stormtroopers. But sorry, yeah, you're right. But yes, going back to um, finally, I've been waiting for Judith to spill the beans about that for absolutely ages. And I thought that was the reason they were keeping Virgil back, because I think he was the only other person that knew why Michonne was going to. So yeah, finally, the reveal happened. So my prediction is in the spin-offs, we finally find out what happened to Oceanside and why they're gone and what that means as well. So it will happen. It just takes its sweet time. I, I do think Judith will appear in the spin-offs. I'm just really curious as whether it's going to be Daryl's spin-off or whether it's going to be Michonne's spin-off. Interesting. As part of all of that, we learned that Rosita and Eugene and Gabriel get trapped in the alley, right? And this is the next sort of big, big moment, I guess. We've all been there. Yeah. But they're climbing up this pipe. And despite the fact that Rosita's carrying a small child, she insists that Eugene and Father Gabriel climb up first. They were carrying children too, though, weren't they? Because they had kids strapped to them as well. Fair enough. Fair enough. And she is probably the strongest climber of the three, right? So she probably chin up there quicker than most. But she doesn't. She gets pulled back down. And for a moment, she's surrounded by walkers. And it was pretty awesome when she broke free and swung her mace around. Um, But I did wonder at that point. I was like, oh, is she going to have taken a a bite maybe? I've skipped a bit where there there were three kills for Carol and two for Daryl, but also I didn't make a note of the kills at this point. I was going to go back and, and look at that because I know that Rosita and Gabriel definitely dispatched some walkers at this point. When she fell down and got uh, surrounded by them, all I could think of was Glenn and the dumpster. And to my surprise, somehow she managed to punch up and take about, I reckon, what, about three or four with her at least? You just can't get in the way of a mother and a baby. But the music was so great in this scene. When all the action was going on, the music and everything, I had goosebumps. My uh, One of my favourite scenes of this episode, definitely. Well, and, and then if we can move on, we've got Mercer back in armour. Don't know quite how that happened. He's also back into Princess. And the need to get Judith to Tommy. Who is the last Doctor standing, right? I mean, so many Doctors have died throughout the Walking Dead history. Like, surely Tommy was going to go at some point, but no, he survived through it. Congratulations, Tommy. Your medical training has not hampered you in the zombie apocalypse. (laughs) I think these were the scenes where I was just thinking what had happened to the walkers, because there were just a few scenes where they'd seemed to have just all taken like a bit of a break or something like that. And I was just like, what's happened to these walkers that were banging down the walls a minute ago? 
just while you raise that point, this comes a bit later for me, but I had the same thought when the crowd were making a lot of noise at the gates to Pamela's place. And I, I, I just thought, well, you know, they've probably eaten quite a lot, right? So it's a little bit similar to Christmas. They're, maybe they're napping. Maybe they've become lurkers and they need just a little bit of a nap because they've eaten too much. Classic post-lunch slump. I mean, Tommy's medical training was quite good. He, he, was, he knew that it was great that Daryl had donated blood. But he also knew that it was important for everyone to clear the room, to be free for the very big scene, the fake out big scene that then followed. Negan and Maggie's conversation, which I, I I love their conversation later on in the episode. So I thought that was a really, really beautiful conversation. But we get this moment where Negan tells Maggie that he's finally understood what it must have felt when he was kneeling on the floor the night before. And I was like, well, I mean, it doesn't really require a a huge imagination, does it? To, to think about how it might feel if your loved one's head was smashed to pulp by a baseball bat covered in barbed wire. Yeah, and Negan's saying that he wants to solely go after Pamela so that Maggie doesn't have to take the repercussions of that. He's prepared to sacrifice himself. And yeah, he does realise what he's taken away from both Maggie and Herschel Jr. I thought that was a beautiful scene and very much set up a spin-off with the two of them because she said she couldn't forgive him. Every time she looks at him, she thinks about when he killed Glenn and she can hear Glenn's voice. And I thought that set up that spin-off in a really interesting and complex way. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about that scene now like, whilst we're on the topic of Maggie and Negan because this, this comes off, you know, in the second half of the... The episode where everything's been dealt with effectively but it, well I thought it was just really beautifully done and this idea of I can never forgive you and here's why but I'm I'm gonna stop hating you to quote Maggie I want to thank you can I ever forgive you I know now that I can't I'll never love anyone like that again I don't want to hate you anymore but all I have is my memories and then she also goes on to say that she can't be around him or she'll struggle because she doesn't want those memories of Glenn to always be tainted by that final memory of him. The setup to the spin-off should be hashtag it's complicated. <laughs> yeah. The other bit of that scene is she leaves and we're left with Negan crying. Yes. They've yeah. done amazing things with Negan's character. Jeffrey D. Morgan, Angela, you know, all the various people that have been part of that storyline. I think they've done fantastic things with Negan. Let's go back a bit to where we were. I, I, I love the fact that in, in the middle of all this, Eugene was still wearing his tie. I mean, you know, it's, it's a, a walker grabbing hazard there. But he's trying to build Rosita sort of back up. And this is where the I can't wait for summer stuff comes in. And then we finally learn that that actually she has been bit. Max is sleeping and I guess this is Eugene's final farewell. Eugene says, I just love you so much. And Rosita says, I love you. And there's tears coming down her face. And then Max wakes and Eugene says he's completely fine. I can't believe they did that to Rosita. That was my, like the double fake out moment. I just couldn't. I thought she was fine. I really didn't see that come in, the fact that she was bitten. And 
I still couldn't quite believe that it had happened either. And I think, Dima, you mentioned earlier something about her being immune. I was kind of thinking, I just couldn't imagine her dying. I thought maybe there's something else or she'll survive in some way. That was an awful trick the writers played there because I went through so many roller coaster emotions just in those five, ten minutes. I thought something was up when she was kind of not really moving and when she said, I want to drink her all in and all this sort of stuff. I thought she's something's not quite right. One of the things this episode was really good was having those small conversations, those two characters. There's so many one-on-one conversations that are just really brilliantly acted. And I thought both of them, particularly Christian Serratos, was just phenomenal in this. And I thought Josh was good as well. But my only thing about that was this is all very lovely, but they're inside the house. She's been bitten. He's left her alone. She's a liability. She's got a baby in her hand. She could be turning and having a cocoa sandwich. Yeah, I, th- I mean, it, I do think if you've just been bitten, it takes some time for that. I, anyway, we won't get into all of that. But like, I, I agree. Like, I think I was very, very surprised when it, it moved forward to the next day when she's still in the room, seemingly just having a cup of tea. But again, the scene with her and, and Father Gabriel, where actually there was very little in the way of dialogue, where she whispers into his ear what's happened. I mean, that was just incredible. And then Judith sees that conversation happening and understands what it means. And again, I was just like, oh, moving forward from that, her final then farewells with everybody were just far too emotional for me to cope with. I think accidentally, Adam, you might have stumbled across the way to save yourself from onset of whatever the virus is. You mentioned about tea. And of course, as we know, our our cousins across the pond don't really drink tea. They drink coffee. So if Rosita was having a cup of tea, maybe that's what staved off those thingamabobs. Or it was all the cocoa she'd been drinking in. Yeah. (laughs) We've been talking about Judith, but again, little ass kicker wakes up with big ass kicker and auntie ass kicker. But let's move on to the Pamela scene. So there's a crowd making noise at the gates. Our crew get their way in there and Daryl makes his statement that, We've got one enemy. We ain't the walking dead. Kind of shitting all over Rick's speech from the comic books and and felt a little bit forced here, but I... I don't think he was shitting over what Rick said. They're at a different point in the timeline. I think it's really nice that there's been that development, certainly in Daryl's mind, that actually we're not the walking dead. Um, Yeah, I didn't realise until Neil just read out the Rick Grimes thing that it was obviously taken from that or inspired by that. So I've just seen it as it is in the television series. But I think he did it in like the best Daryl way possible. Um, I thought it was quite a nice tribute, and especially now knowing the history behind it. We've just missed a small scene where Mercer says that he's got a truck loaded up and if the gang want to go, they can because it's not their fight. And he has this kind of semi-heroic speech. And then Zeke goes, no, nah, nah, mate, I'm the one that does the heroic monologues. And then has this follow-up one, which was brilliant. And I, what I really loved about that was they were talking about how now is the time to act. We have to do it. And then we cut to see all those people pressed in against the gate saying, let us in, let us in. And then our gang goes out there, stops it all. And under all this, everyone's in a rush. And suddenly... There's time for a very slow, considered 
conversation in amongst all of this madness. But my main thing was, was when he said, we ain't the walking dead, because I love it when they say the name of the show in the show. (laughs) (laughs) There's a couple of other small things that happen here. Uh, Jerry and Elijah make it through the crowd as the walkers are coming in. They finally let them in the gates. And I was like, well, that, that was all a little bit pointless right them being trapped in the herd in the first place if you're going to do absolutely nothing with it but whatever and the knife Lydia dropped the knife and a walker picked it up so I thought for sure that knife is gonna kill Jerry or Ezekiel but yeah nothing ridiculous this is the walking dead stuff gets set up all the time to be completely ignored or fumbled let's be honest yeah I can't remember who says this people are dying I can't just stand by these aren't your people. And it was definitely Zeke that said, yes, they are, which obviously sets up how the episode ends. It looks to me like it's Commonwealth residents trying to get into the Milton resident. Mercer orders to open the gates, arrest them, mom, that now you've left thousands out there to die. So Gabe goes to open the gates and Mercer allows that to happen i think that change from vickers is to do with what mercer says before about you have to save the people pam's up to her usual bullshit and i think this is where vickers goes right yeah no enough is enough i can't have people's death on my conscience it is a very cool father gabriel moment where he's you want to shoot me fine but i'm opening the gates and letting these people in yeah and how nice because he didn't do that for his congregations i felt like that was symbolic the fact that he was the one opening the gates and then we see zombie Lance Hornsby. Again, correctly I, predicted by Chloe. <laughs> felt very fitting. And I did actually wonder whether Pamela would meet her end at those gates. But that didn't happen. As far as the narrative and storytelling, the fact that they could get all the residents in and lock it right at the point where the walkers, that was, well, very cleverly done, let's say. Yes. I also think Josh Hamilton was absolutely loving doing that zombie acting. His eyes and his like whole face was bulging. I think he loved that whole makeup. <laughs> he doesn't love a bulge. <laughs> Indeed. I think, yeah, as you were saying, that that moment that Father Gabe had to kind of right the wrong of his original congregation, That's I felt that that's what Pam was doing when she was kind of offering herself up to Lance. For, for him to eat her because she it, it was like she was transfixed right like a moth to the flame and she was allowing herself to be dragged closer and closer and still looking him in the eyes there was a clutch shot out of nowhere sniper supreme and i believe because lance hornsby was a character that i predicted <laughs> would die and did die i believe if if i remember correctly rule 17 subparagraph 12.2 that's worth an extra, is that 50 or 55 points that that's worth? No, whoever predicted Maggie as killer got, got two points for killing that walker that used to be Lance Hornsby. Two points? Double yeah, one. double points. <gasps> it's the only kill she made. I don't know who said it, but we have to help them, Governor, take this place back. In my head, I'm pretty sure it was Zeke. And obviously we go on to find out that Zeke becomes the Governor of the Commonwealth. Oh, there was a moment where Judith said something about governor and said it's never too late. It was Judith. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. We have to help them, governor. It was Judith. 
Thank you, Chloe. Once that's all dealt with, we get, let's cut to dealing with these walkers. And this, um, it was like something out of the A-team. All sorts of stuff was going on. Everyone's got their own job to do within it. I mean, I really hope they their evacuation plan was efficient as their doctor, nurses and medicine plan. Because if anyone was left behind in those estates, they were flambéed. But I did love this. I thought it was visually stunning. We were rocking out. The music was great. Yeah, just brilliant scenes. Drawing the rotters, loud music. I also thought that was fantastic. Max is going on to name Blue Weevil. Does anyone have any thoughts on that? <laughs> I remembered that from like when they used to communicate via the radio, right? And that was her little nickname, Blue Weevil. I can't remember what his was. Eugene's call sign was Taterbug. That's it. Taterbug. Yeah, I noted that down. I also loved the music. I think it was Cult of Personality is a song and it's all about, well, what I kind of get from it is having idols and why people idolise people or put them up on a pedestal. And I wonder if that was quite a link to, to Pamela there and why people follow her. Well, talking about Pamela, we now find her in jail and and Carol says, we've already had to make an ugly decision. We've kept you alive. We've all done things. And I thought that was quite amazing because, yes, all of them have done things. All of them have killed. All of them have done things for the great good. And I guess going back to Adam's Ode, it's very much about looking after loved ones and putting them first. Pam was giving some real kind of revisionist history of her leadership and how difficult it is, heavy is the head and all that. But I quite like Carol's parting shot of, we've all done things, but at least we don't have to worry about who gets your house, which I really enjoyed. That was brilliant. I think she's in the right place, to be honest, Pamela. I I am glad that they didn't kill her. I'm glad that she's rotting away in a jail somewhere. I do think that's probably the best decision that they made. Lock her up. Lock her up. (laughs) There's one thing I wanted to talk about before we get to the one year later stuff with uh, Rosita and Gabriel final conversation. And part of his prayer is, may her soul and the souls of all those departed through the mercy of God rest in peace. Obviously, this is our episode title, but also talking about the souls of all those departed made you think of every single character we've lost over the 11 seasons of the show, right? We've got this semi-Thanksgiving dinner that they're all having, and I believe it was Thanksgiving this weekend as well for our friends across the pond so i hope you enjoyed that so many little things going on here we've got yumi and magna reconnecting i thought it was quite flirtatious and very close when she poured her another wine there's lots of other stuff daryl and negan have their kind of wistful look at each other through the window and then negan walks off ne'er to be seen again i'm trying to think obviously rosita tells gabe we've talked about that um and then we kind of move into this really beautiful scene that I know we have talked about already. My only thing with that was we had Maggie and Carol take her to that bed. And Maggie's obviously given her a cuddle and she's starting to get quite teary. And I wondered, as is Maggie's modus operandi, was she going to come back and maybe hold a zombie Rosita, cradle her in her arms and cry, rocking backwards and forwards? Negan said previously, I think this was a callback, that you're never going to sit around the table and enjoy Sunday dinner together again. That's what he told the group. So the fact that they are doing that and he's outside, I thought was a really nice full circle moment. Yeah. And also my couple name for Magna and Yumiko, 
Magna Cur. <laughs> I love that. They're lovely. So let's move on to the ending then. So we've got this in again in two sections, really. I think there's the one year later stuff involving our current crew. And then we'll obviously we're going to talk about Rashon a bit as well. I didn't make very many notes for this. Again, we've touched on a few of these bits already. The fact that Ezekiel is the governor and Merce is the governor general. Literally, the only other thing I've written down is I'm allowed to be a little sad. Carol's <laughs> line to Daryl. Between Ezekiel and Mercer, they're now leading the Commonwealth. What more could we want? Yeah, I, I think the other big thing that we see right at the beginning of that is that Max and Eugene have had a kid. Yes. Rose right? must... after Rosita. That was so lovely. Yeah, I mean, they must have really got down to working on that uh, <laughs> almost immediately, right? I mean, I think the consummation happened before earlier scenes, right? It's not been that that long ago that they first did it. And he's been saving that seed for some time. Ah, such special seed. We've also got Daryl and Connie. The conversation was in sign language. Beautiful conversation. Again, I wonder whether Connie's going to appear in Daryl's spin-off. I thought when they greet each other, are we going to see more than that? Are they going to actually physically touch I thought maybe are they going to kiss, but we didn't. But what we did have at the end of that conversation is another Daryl giggle. Yes, you read my mind. That's just what I was going to say. There's that little giggle again. Oh, I love them. Team Donnie all the way. Well, we know that Connie's going to keep the new administration honest. I loved the gift of the compass from Negan to Judith. I thought that was really touching. And I'm really glad Carol got a haircut. (laughs) 100. That's in my notes. Carol got the haircut she deserves for that position. She looks like she's a badass and not taking any nonsense. We then see all those names written on the walls of of Alexandria, no, the Commonwealth, whichever one it is. And we saw all of them. And then the bottom of that very first row that we see is Glenn. Yeah, those are definitely names at Alexandria. But, we, you know, we've seen those being painted on the walls in a previous series, definitely. But, yeah, I loved all the colourful windmills that we had they were really really lovely really nice touch and it was just great to see everyone kind of visiting each other without giving too many spoilers away something that kind of mirrors the end of the comic book series it's this kind of tour of what the world is like at the end it's amazing how much more colorful the world is when we get that later on with the the very bright purple lavender field i think that's going outside the greens instead of being dark greens are all bright. It feels like spring or summer. The world has come back. It's everything starting to grow again and live. Did you see what was in those purple flower fields? Did you spot the scarecrows made of stormtrooper armor? No, No, I haven't actually. Well done, Adam. Very good. Very good. I'll tell you what I did spot. Greg Nicotero as a zombie when Daryl drove past. (laughs) I had a little scream moment. I read the child the rigs played a part in the final but I didn't actually see it when I watched it I need to watch it again just wanted to say I think Scarecrow's made from from Stormtrooper armor is probably the most efficient anything in Stormtrooper armor has ever been I thought particularly in mind that Carol's not going to be joining Daryl in his spin-off the conversation that they had near the end was very touching Daryl said I wish you were coming with me which obviously there were levels to that based on 
for whatever reason that Carol's not going to be in that spin-off. He says you took Hornsby's job and made it your own. And then Judith says, Uncle Dowell, you deserve a happy ending too. And then Dowell says, I love you to Carol. And she says, I love you too. There's no snogging, but there's kisses on the cheeks. And then Dowell heads off. Which made me think, because I, I know that in between Walking Dead series, is Norman Reedus has done documentaries biking around America and other parts of the world. That was really sensitively done and certainly brought it to my eye. There was a lot of stuff going on in that dialogue, wasn't it, for, for the actors and the characters. So what do we think? He's driving off into the distance. We see in the, the beginning of the one year later section that he's pretty much literally just come back from being out in the field. He's no longer a a house cat again. He's back to being an outdoors cat, doing whatever it is that he's doing on the frontiers. Where do you think he's headed, other than the spin-off, obviously? Well, my understanding is that he's heading to find Rick and Michonne. And we'll get onto that shortly, because obviously we have a huge teaser for that spin-off. But I have a feeling or at least I think it's been set up that from what he said to Judith, that that's what he's going to do, is he's going to find Rick and Michonne and he's going to bring them all back together again. What we do know about Daryl's spin-off from the news is that it's going to be happening in France. There has been some casting news for this, so I can't tell you that whether Carol or Connie or Judith or anyone else will appear in the show, but I can tell you that Clements Posey has been cast in this. And Adam Nagaitis has also been cast. So Clemens Posey, I last saw in The Essex Serpent, but you might know as Fleur Delacour from the Harry Potter movies. She's going to play Isabel, a member of a progressive religious group who joins forces with Daryl on a journey across France and finds herself confronting her dark past in Paris. In France. I hope it's not going to be similar to the... uh... The, the De Grazzo's in the White Lotus and their journey into Europe. I thought you were about to say not in Bruges. I thought she was brilliant in Bruges. I actually watched it for a second time this weekend. I did an amazing film, but she's fantastic in that. So we've got Judith and RJ in the final scene. What do we think that Patels? For me, it's that the way that horror ends with that hope. I think I've talked about it in previous episodes. That to me, they were the epitome of the future and hope and what's to come. So it was like the bittersweet ending for me that we've lost all these people, but at the end of it is these two kids that are going to be the future. Brand, should we move on to this, the moment Chloe had been waiting for? Where oh. is Rick Grimes? Chloe, take us away for for this bit. Guess who's back, 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 back again, again, again. Oh, I've been waiting so long. And do you know what? I was so obsessed with Rick Grimes and me not giving Rick Grimes that, like, I'm so happy that they included Michonne because obviously it will not be The Walking Dead. It wouldn't be the end of The Walking Dead without her. But I was so paranoid that they wouldn't even have a Rick Grimes moment. I was just focusing on that. They saved the best till the last. Oh, I just absolutely loved this they did this for the fans they did this for me thank you writers thank you showrunners i am very very grateful we got not only to see rick and michonne but we got to see so many characters that we've loved and lost i absolutely love that sequence can we talk about michonne's armor how quality was that first when i saw her 
just sitting there by the fire. I was wondering, is this, she She wearing some of her costume from Black Panther. And then we then saw her don this phenomenal helmet, everything. She looked so phenomenal as always. Great new outfit. Loved, loved it. And also on this, am I right in thinking this was different timelines, that she was at a different timeline to Rick? Because I was a bit confused with Rick was throwing his stuff into Virgil's boat. That's what Michonne had found, why she went looking for Rick in the first place, because she found his boots and everything that she had. So then I assumed they were both from different timelines. Is that right, Dema? Uh, well, I don't know if it's right, but I think it makes sense. Because I was thinking, they what, they 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 dress exactly alike. Are they one of those couples? Mm. Because, yeah, we, we see both the shots to the boots and everything. So I think you're spot on, mate. But I think the setup of this and then both writing, almost writing letters to each other or to the kids or whatever, was really well done. But it was disorientating in a way, deliberately so, in that we're hearing them both speaking what they're writing, whilst we're also reliving all of these moments from the past of the show and going, what clues can I possibly glean from what they're wearing or where they are or the fact that Rick's got no shoes on? Rick was wearing a jacket with CRM logos on. I am really, really glad that we didn't get the CRM in The Walking Dead proper, because I think it would have just been too much to include that. So I'm glad that's been kept for the spin-offs and the other series. But I think it's really intriguing as to where they're going to be and, and, and how that... I, I'm excited. What this did for me at the end was excite me about the Rick and Michonne series that's going to happen. Well, there's no escape for the living. The thing that I found most interesting about is obviously there's the conversation where... This is someone who knows Rick over the tannoy because of the way that he speaks to him. And we see Rick's not happy. And then we see that shot from the other direction. And we see the skyline. I miss, was it Manhattan skyline that we see? What skyline was it that we see across the water? Because I thought... That... Well, it might be New York. I mean, that's apparently where Negan and Maggie's spin-off's going to happen. Yeah, and it could have been Philadelphia as well, because they they do look quite similar. And that's where their one is, isn't it? Rick and Michonne is in mm. Philadelphia, if I'm not mistaken. I wasn't quite sure what the exact skyline was, though. No, I think it probably is Philadelphia because of the way of where he stood. I don't think there's anywhere within the New York metro area that is that wooded that can see across the water to Manhattan. He's called consignee Grimes by the by the guys in here. And he's it's a while since I watched The Walking Dead, The World Beyond, and I didn't finish it because the second season of it was pretty ropey. But I think he's in a similar way to the Commonwealth, got a, a worker job or a worker role based on what he's the, the tool that he's got with him and the way that he's he's being addressed. So clearly he doesn't want to be there. He wants to be finding the rest of his family again, right? And finding his way back to them. Uh, but this does explain why he hasn't managed to achieve that in, in the years that have passed. I'm absolutely certain that throughout the various spin-offs, eventually Rick, Michonne and Judith will meet each other. I hope so. Because I think with that flash forward now, that one year later, it's been two years since Michonne has gone. So that's a long time for her to be away from... Judith I'm sure it'll 
be like coming up to two years. I was interested by the message that you put in a bottle. And I think that's going to come up in the spin-off somehow. Maybe when Eugene takes Coco and Rosie to swim in Oceanside, maybe a message in the bottle will come up. Uh, that's my prediction for that. But I just love the fact that Andrew Lincoln hasn't played Rick Grimes in years. He did it effortlessly. He was back there within like seconds and his smile the smile that we all know that you're screwed you're already dead smile that he did at the end to the the helicopter people crm i was in my element i was living my best life in this 10 minutes and then we finally hear what that line that Julie's been talking about for a few episodes now. We are the ones who live and we get various different alumni speaking the line, including Morgan. Great to see Lenny James included in that sequence. Really, really brilliant. I just want to quickly talk about Michonne's final scene where she's on the hawk's back. She she goes past and she lops the head off a walker. She stands there, looks, and this is intercut with Rick beneath the helicopter and for a second I was like can she see him in the distance is what what's going on and then we finally see what she can see and it's just an uber swarm hundreds of thousands of zombies and she goes right into them so I would I would just like to say can I pick Michonne as my killer (laughs) for the spin-off please well we'll have to work out who one this time round to find out who gets to predict first. So we'll run through this fairly quickly because I've already talked about some of the points and also that there's some scenes that I didn't get time to go back and look at, but I don't think it's necessary. So just to remind you, we started off with Damien on 30 points, me on 27, Neil on 15 and Chloe on 12. Now, initially in those batch of kills, there were three kills for Carol and one for Gabriel, possibly many more. But anyway, I've written down Chloe 30 points after Jules died. Damien 30 points and me 29 and then Neil still on 15 so pretty close then Luke dies Chloe goes up to 40 points and from that point never looked back there was a moment where I leapt slightly ahead of Damien after Gabriel made a kill but Rosita kept killing people Carol kept killing people these were your killers Chloe so as well as those two big deaths you had the two biggest killers of the episode. So by the time all of that settled down, and I didn't even count the kills that Rosita made around the ambulance, but after all that, it ended up with, there were various others. There were a few kills for Carol and Daryl and and Aaron and a few others later on. But when it got to the end of it all, it ended up with Neil on 21 points, me on 33 points, Damien on 42 points and Chloe on 54 points. It would need would have needed a 12-point swing for me to have thought about going back. So six Walker kills, couldn't see it happening. Adding the survivors in, it's only really me who lost points with the survivors because I switched from Jerry last time. Everyone else survived. But it gives me great pleasure to, to say... Hail the Queen of the Dead, Chloe Wade. Congratulations. Nobody saw it coming and that's how I work. You underestimated me, but I made it to the top. Thank you very much. (laughs) I will have some pasta martinis and a princess and uh, some champagne. And yeah, I look forward to it. Thank you. Yeah, any final thoughts then on The Walking Dead as a show this episode? I actually can't remember whether it was Rick or Michonne who said this. We together are the strongest thing. And as you've already touched on, Adam, with your ode at the beginning of this recording, TV DNA and our 
sharing and love with The Walking Dead has seen me through some dark times. Absolutely love not only the show, but all of all of you. And yeah, together we are the strongest thing. Very well said. Oh, follow that, dear Ma. Okay. I will. <laughs> Challenge accepted. In the words of Father Gabe, we'll see you again someday. <laughs> Adam's tearing up here. <laughs> and it's really hard to put into words, really. Like it's been 12 years, 11 seasons. It's hard to sum all that up. And it's been the longest I've invested into any relationship as well. But I just, I love I've just loved the whole experience. It's been an amazing ride. I've had my ups and downs with The Walking Dead. I'm so glad that I stuck it out. I'm so glad that I found fellow fans among you all and and friends among you all. And thank you for letting me be involved in this. It's just been so much fun to do this and to chat about my favourite thing, which is horror. So thank you. Yeah, I've had some amazing rides, but I'm glad that this was so enjoyable for you, Chloe. Chloe, I think you've been an absolute brilliant addition to the to the Walking Dead uh, TVD and episodes. And I, I hope you'll come back and, and talk to us about what you've been watching and, and we'll find some other shows that, that you can come and, and, and co-host with us. You're very much part of the TVDNA family now. And Neil, we've got one more Andor episode to come this week. So <laughs> don't, Damo, don't do it. Don't do it. I won't. I won't. So I've got something else to say. And or what? <laughs> I will say it's, it's absolutely brilliant show Andor. I'm really excited. The, the penultimate episode was brilliant. Really excited for the finale of that this week as well. The two great shows coming to an end. Again, Neil will be talking about that, and then hopefully we'll we'll find some time to have you back on. Meanwhile, Damien and Grace and I are continuing our White Lotus episodes again a stunning stunning show the white lotus can highly highly recommend that we have gone along with this which is understandable because it's an epic moment in an epic show but have you been watching anything else chloe i mean i have been watching the occasional episode of the white lotus and i'm carrying on with everything else that i've been watching cabinet of curiosities and midnight club i did which i think some of you have started watching uh the emily blunt Thing on BBC One, sorry, the Western, which uh, the name has gone out of my head, but I've seen the first episode of that. Yeah, the English. Yeah, really enjoying that. Yeah, me too. It's very brutal. Westerns aren't really my thing, so I have to force myself to watch it, but I think it looks like a good production. I love Emily Blunt, so I'm just going to watch it. There's a real sparseness in that show, in, in the dialogue and in the, the settings of it that I really, really am enjoying. I think things gradually become clearer. You have to work a little bit of what's going on, again, which is something that I'm, I'm enjoying about the show. But episode four, Rafe Spall enters and his character is phenomenal so it's definitely worth sticking with i would say the english i'm really enjoying it neil yeah i've heard so many good recommendations around the english now that i've just finished the crown it's something that will take up an evening or two or keep me awake at night as i have to just watch the next episode maybe we'll cover the crown on another episode where Grace is here because I know she's been following it as well but it's just fantastic I'm a little bit disappointed at the narrative just because I would have liked them to have finished certain storylines by now because they've officially only got one season left and I'd really like it 
but I'm happy that the Queen passed away. But it just feels right that they finished narrative with the Queen's death. So I imagine there's whole loads of script changes going on at the moment. But there's a lot for them to cover if they're going to do that. I've just watched one of the episodes of The Crown, and I know it's coming for some criticism, but I think it is fairly well balanced, in my opinion. I mean, the, there's a Prince Charles episode and, and the Tampax Gate things comes out, but also does all of the brilliant work that he's done with the Prince's Trust. So I think it is is well balanced, and perhaps some of that criticism is a little bit undeserved. Isn't Dominic West playing Prince Charles? Yeah. I mean, what? I usually the casting's really good, but like, I don't want to watch something and like be attracted to Prince Charles. <laughs> could have chosen any other actor, like Dominic West. Come on. <laughs> you got a crush on Dominic West? I mean, isn't he handsome? I mean, Gillian oh, Anderson played Margaret Thatcher, and you know, I, I was very, very conflicted about that because I love Gillian Anderson. You too. I heard you found that very hard. I did indeed. She was brilliant. Really, really good in it. Really, really good. Fun memories. Too good. Damo, what have you been watching? Well, I know you guys were just talking about the English. I wish I only watched the first scene. But I've also been watching the English beat Iran because there's a little thing called the World Cup on at the moment. So my life is now over for the month. But no, as of the day of recording, England has beaten Iran convincingly, although to our Iranian listeners... Unlucky, some great goals there from Iran, I thought. But I also started watching 1899 on Netflix. And I think I will leave that for a topic of conversation in our White Lotus podcast. So listeners, make sure to listen to that too. I've also watched that. But there's there's one thing I did want to talk about while I've got you and Chloe here. And that is the fact that I finished, finally finished my epic Ghosts watch. Yes. Got through all four seasons. And yeah, it's been an emotional week because I watched that episode four of season four. If you know, you know. But it's a really, really beautifully done episode, I think. Just gorgeous. I mean, the cast are phenomenal throughout it all. I think Robin is my favourite ghost. <laughs> Which one's Robin again? The Scoutmaster? No, the caveman. Oh, oh, yeah, Robin. Robin is good. But did you know that there is going to be an American version of Ghosts? Mm-hmm. I did know this. And in fact, it came out on the iPlayer yesterday. So it's now available to watch. And I think this, and it's actually been out in the States for quite some time, but this is the first time that we've had it over here. I just don't know, having gone through four seasons of The English Ghosts, I just don't know if I can go straight into Ghosts, brackets, US. But are either of you going to try it out? Um, I looked at a little teaser of it. So I've kind of seen like some of the characters are the same and then some are very different. So I'm intrigued by it. But yeah, I don't know if I'll go into it anytime soon. I know it was made with the blessing of the and, and support indeed of you know Jim Harrick and Simon Farnaby and, all, and that clan. More power to them. And if I, I hope they're making lots of money out of it because they certainly deserve to. They're a very talented group and it's a phenomenal show. If it's like the US office, I was so surprised at that. I'd love it if they did something like that where they're inspired by it, then go off on their own little tangent. So I'm hopeful. I'm assuming with the US version, each series will be about 20 episodes long in the way that we keep it to a tight six and they keep it to a a very, (laughs) very slow 20 episodes. Yes. Grant, well, I think we'll we'll leave it there, but do we'll we'll listen on because listeners, listen on listeners, Debo. I was gonna say listeners, 
Listeners, you, if you or anyone you know has been affected by the issues in this week's podcast uh, regarding the ending of The Walking Dead, you can seek support and solace by looking up TV DNA on the socials, Googling us, uh, and letting us know how you're getting on in this post The Walking Dead, open brackets, original series, close brackets, universe. We together are the strongest thing. Anyone got anything else before I hit stop? Rest in peace, The Walking Dead. At least until next year when the spin offs come out. Now, this is where you say, Damo, this has been in the opening credits for at least seven years. But I thought there was one moment, and that was just after the tree. So quite early on, we have Dog howling into the air. Dog moves further and further into the background, and then in the foreground to mid-ground, we see Daryl's crossbow and arrows deep into the ground, along with a small katana, right? Judith's katana. Has that been going on for at least seven years, or was that new? No, that's that's definitely been in there, I think. Okay, cool. Well, we can edit that out. <laughs> yeah, it was a lovely scene. I mean, you guys, have you've covered it all, really. It was a beautiful scene, and... Um... Oh, no, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> You've got it covered. That's fine. Maybe it'll come back to me. I'll shove it in there if it comes back. She said, staved off those... I can't think of the word, sorry. <laughs> that was the dramatic pause. Staved <laughs> off those um, uh, thingamabobs. Sorry, Demi. No, I didn't have my hand up. I was just agreeing. 